1: over here's paul calvisi i'm ready i'm 100 percent ready i'm telling you i'm ready and ron wolfley it doesn't
2: get any better than that unleash the fury
3: i don't know about either one of those but i do know that i'm about to quote here we go you can't win right now but you can lose the words earlier today from pro bowl running back james connor who brings both the attitude and perspective how about it talking to the media after an ota earlier today in fact did you see where the cardinals tweeted out ron wolfley and i quote here it's a beautiful day for ota's high temperature today by the way officially
0: 109 um yeah paulie i did see that what's your point it's <laughs> hot just
3: uh you know it, guys are out there they're getting used to the heat uh you know you get it's It's there's a difference of opinion perhaps among some guys JJ Watt for example says he loves how the heat feels on his body and the natural turf at Cardinals practices of course he probably didn't love going viral when he tripped over a bag during one of the D-line drills earlier today down goes JJ Watt
0: it's one of the coolest things, Paulie, just watching that. I mean, J.J. Watt not going down. It was, I mean, just watching him work his way through that drill, Polly. I mean, that was um, to the wall, as we used to say back in the day. That was, that was a guy that was going through those bags, and he was doing it with intent. And uh, that's why he spilled it right there. But I love the fact he poked it himself. Yeah,
3: you know, a little, I mean, he did one on Twitter, he had some fun with it, right? He owned it. Um, and that's nothing, Wolf. I mean, that kind of embarrassment is nothing coming from a guy, correct me if I'm wrong, who once upon a time lost his cookies on the boots of John Bon Jovi.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was me, Paulie. Sorry. Yeah, you know what? Oh, John Bon. Actually, I didn't hit his boots, Paul, but it was really, really close. <laughs> and he backed away, as a matter of fact. And I looked up after puking all over the field, Okay. and yes, Paul, there was John. Bon Bon Jovi, and by the way, Polly, he had a blonde on his arm. I'm just saying,
3: <laughs> right? Befitting John Bon. Okay, I get it. Well, look, it's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and we will have outside linebackers coach Charlie bullen joining us momentarily. I mean, if you have questions about where the Cardinals and how the Cardinals are going to generate a pass rush, well. We're going to talk to one of the guys working on that. We'll talk about Chandler Jones, the absence thereof, the emergence of Dennis Gardeck, the rookies, the scheme. We'll cover all that, right? Just like we're going to cover the week that was as we get towards the end of the week here on Big Red Rage. Was Kyler at OTAs this week? No. He was there last week, and he's expecting next week for the mandatory minicamp. In between, we heard from Zach Ertz on the Dave Pash podcast, Wolf. And here was Zach Ertz, the tight end's answer when asked about Kyler.
2: Kyler is the most
3: talented player I've ever been around. Player? Player,
2: period. There is no doubt. There's nothing he cannot do on a football field. He can be like Lamar Jackson and take off and run for 100-plus yards in a game. Or, in my opinion, he can sit in the pocket and not even worry about his legs and just dink and dunk all the way down the field. He's super,
3: super accurate, and there's just nothing he can't do. I don't know. I can't really explain it. That's pretty strong on the Dave Pash podcast. Uh, Your reaction to what Zach Ertz said about his quarterback?
0: Yeah, the first thing you have to look at is he could have easily qualified it, Paul. He could have qualified it by saying he's one of the most talented players I've ever played with. He could have qualified it. He did not qualify. No. At all. He said he is... The most talented player that I've ever played with. Now, Paulie, let me just caution you, though, and I think Zach Ertz would agree with this. When you say somebody's the most talented, it doesn't necessarily mean he's the best player I've ever played with. There's a big difference, I think, between that. But the talent is certainly there with Kyler Murray. That's something we've all known.
3: Meaning there's still a ceiling, right? Meaning exactly. there's, there's still potential to be realized. And we get it. He's got three years in the league. He's still 24 years of age. He has two Pro Bowls under his belt. And for all that, uh, here's what DJ Humphries told the media this week. When asked about whether Kyler is the future or not, and let's just say the left tackle and former namesake on this show had a message for all those Kyler doubters.
4: If you think that Kyler is not our future, you are a plum fool. You know what I mean? That just... I say that again. If you think that he's not our future, you are absolutely. You need to slow down on the drinking in the daytime. You know what I mean? Like the I know Scottsdale big on Sunday Funday, but you got to dial
3: it back a little bit. You know. <laughs> right. Wolf, do you first off in, in all the years we've done this show with uh, DJ Humphreys, Do you remember him using the the, the phrase "plum fool"? Never I think pulled. that's the South Carolina in him.
0: Yeah, no, that it certainly came out right there. In, <laughs> Paul, I've never heard him say plump fool. I laughed out loud when I first heard that. I don't know about you, Paulie, but, you know, plump fool. I haven't heard plump fool in a long, long time, Paul.
3: Yeah, it's like belongs in a John Steinbeck novel or something. It was good. That was good stuff. I think,
0: I think what DJ is saying, once again, um, yeah, there's no doubt about it. The organization, I think we all agree, they're going to extend Kyler Murray. They're going to do it this summer at some point in time. When that is, I don't know, Polly, I said June 28th. I just picked the number out of the air. Um, you, what say you, Polly I don't uh, know when the date is. I went with
3: June is. 13th, the day before the mandatory minicamp. I don't like my odds at this
0: point. Okay, June 13th the day before the mandatory minicamp yes indeed and cliff kingsbury says by the way he expects kyla murray to be there correct paulie he
3: does okay he does.
0: so for me once again there's no doubt about kyla murray and his talent there is no doubt whatsoever um they are going to extend him here he is the future of the arizona cardinals i do want to see him continue to develop and grow
3: you know, we had a chance to talk with Trace McSorley earlier today on ninety eight seven FM, did we not? The third string quarterback, and one of the things he said about Kyler is his ability to find guys in space, and Zach Ertz's ability to to use space. And find openings. And what do you think about the potential of those two now that they have a full off season? Because remember, Zach Ertz arrived in a trade, and they had to ramp things up in a hurry in the middle of his season. Yeah. When we talk about potential, we always talk about Kyler to D Hop or Kyler to AJ Green, and now Hollywood Brown, obviously. But what about Kyler to Zach Ertz?
0: Yeah, no, Paulie, it's a great question. um I think Zach Ertz is going to have a massive year, and one of the big reasons why is in Week Seven. And DeAndre Hopkins is going to come back. <laughs> and it's going to be Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. For all we know, listen, Rondell Moore, that is a question mark right now. Rondell Moore, will he take that step forward? Will he become the vertical threat that I was hoping he was going to be able to do last year? I don't know. That remains to be seen. He's got a prove-it mentality right now, and I would love to see him go out there and get the opportunity to prove it. Because, listen, if you've got guys that are on the outside, you're not going to be able to double a Zach Ertz. You're not going to be able to do it, Paul. If you're doubling Marquise Hollywood Brown and you're bracketing DeAndre Hopkins on the other side or Rondell Moore, for that matter, on the other side, guess who's one on one in the middle? You know? And yep. I like the odds of Zach Ertz winning one on one.
3: Well, think about it. It was the Houston game where Zach Ertz had the catch across the middle, turned it up the far sideline, and went a good 30 yards to six, right? That, tell me if I'm wrong, was a byproduct of all the attention being paid to DeAndre Hopkins, and he just found a massive opening in the middle of the third level of the defense, and then he housed it. So, and then to hear Zach Ertz tell Dave Pash also that there might be some configurations where he's out at the X yeah. and he's way wide, which he did for Doug Peterson once upon a time in Philly, that's intriguing if they get creative minus D Hop.
0: Yeah, no, it is, Paulie, and there are so many weapons on this offense right now. I I mean it. I was thinking about this the other day. You and I were talking about it today, Paulie, but when you think of Nuke, you think of DeAndre Hopkins, and again, I realize he's going to miss the first six games of the season, yet when he comes back, that means he's going to play in eleven. Lord willing, he's gonna play an eleven bully. And then of course you got Marquise, Hollywood Brown, Rondale Moore. We all expect him to take that step forward. AJ Green, a guy we talked about, a guy yep. that had almost nine hundred yards receiving last year, and he was disappointed he didn't get a thousand yards receiving last year. He felt like he left that on the field, as a matter of fact. You got James Conner, you got Kyler Murray. Hello, Kyler Murray. And then all of a sudden, you're going to tell me you got Zach Ertz as well, Paul. This this offense is absolutely stacked. It's got everything that it needs to be one of the best offenses in the league. But I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to, you know what, go prove it. Just go do it. That's what I want. That's the mentality I want to see them adopt
3: j.j watt coming off the injury last year uh, he has been a mainstay at the cardinals headquarters what ever since day three of the offseason i mean he has been there almost every single day and he was explaining to the media why it's important to him now he pointed out to start that there are a number of players not just kyler a number of players not with the card not only the cardinals but around the nfl who have not been attending voluntary the offseason uh, you know um, sessions and so with that in mind here's what j.j watt had to say
4: Being here with with the guys at OTAs, I think that being on the field is uh, extremely valuable because I don't think you can get better at football without playing football. Taking advantage of every single opportunity, taking advantage of every rep, uh, all the individual drills and everything, and the camaraderie and getting the guys together, I think for me personally, uh, is very big. And I think that obviously we have a new D-line coach this year as well, so making sure that we're on the same page and making sure that we all know what the expectation is and we all set the culture that we want to set.
3: Yeah, Matt Burke, the new defensive line coach. It was interesting to hear him uh, you know, getting after the guys early in OTAs this week, yelling at them, get the weekend out of you, and then putting them through drills. And And like we talked about earlier, J.J. Watt is the first guy up in every drill, as you might expect, a three-time NFL defensive player of the year. Uh, he's he's just a guy who sets the culture on the defensive side, not unlike how James Conner sets the culture and the physicality on the Aussie, uh, offensive side. And then there's J.J. Watt and what he does on the social media, media side did you see his shout out on video where he captured rondell moore and him near the cardinals weight room roll that
1: hey everybody's rondell's
4: birthday make sure you say happy birthday to rondell we just had an ultrasound for our baby and they said it's bigger than Watch him already person. And then Rondell Moore, oh
1: my he
3: goodness. bolted. He didn't want any more, <laughs> any more of that video on social media from J.J. J. Watt. I mean, come on now. Slam there, a dominion of Americans like Rondell Moore. I thought that was a little uncalled for, albeit entertaining.
0: No, you know what? It was entertaining, and that's the one thing J.J. J. Watt understands. He knows how to entertain, but man, I love the fact he was talking about focusing on the process. That's what he, when you hear him say, every day the opportunity that you have on every rep to get better to go through it and do it with intent man he's telling you right now to focus on the process not the end result focus on the process and you'll you have a chance of actually getting to the end result if you do that
3: Dave Pash Podcast recently featured J.J. Watt. Uh, most recently Zach Ertz as we mentioned. Wherever you hear your podcast, find the Dave Pash Podcast or on Twitter via at Pash Pod. Alright, do we all have questions when it comes to generating a pass rush? You bet. Let's talk to one of the coaches working on the answers. Charlie Bolin, outside linebackers coach next. When we return, the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.
2: Three step drop. Steps up, gets hit, and sacked back at about the 13 yard line by Marcus Golden. When you need a play, 44 is there. Start barking. (laughs) Give the Robinson running right. Met by Kennard, who got off a block and stuffed the play. Hands it off. Nowhere to run between the tackles. Devon Kennard back to throw, Flacco sacked by Gardek oh
0: my goodness what a move by Dennis Gardek the barbarian Flacco in the
2: pocket gonna get hit and sacked Dennis Gardek
0: got him again Dennis Gardek got up and did a little barbarian dance around the fire
3: I'll pick up where Dave Pass and Ron Wolfley left off there those three names all have one thing in common at least and I'm not just talking about the position Actually, those three names and their position coach all have one thing in common, and that is the super extra energy that everyone feeds off of. Okay, we're talking Dennis Gardeck, Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, and Charlie Bullen, the outside linebackers coach who joins us now on the Big Red Rage. Charlie, how you doing? You you worked us in between meetings. Good. uh, Great. You know, you're running the up-tempo as an assistant coach during OTAs. You know, how's everything going right now in mid-June? everything is good
4: this is a good time of year you know back out there with the guys it feels good after a couple uh shortened off seasons for various reasons over the last two years to to finally get back out and do what we love play ball there's no you know there's no stress of wins and loss yet so we're just as we like to say we're crafting start our our time of year to, to get better get back in the lab as we like to say and focus on fundamentals so it's all ball and it's all good
0: can guys really get better in OTAs, in your oh, yeah. opinion? Of course, I mean, mentally you can understand <clears throat> the offense better, the defense better, or covering a kickoff. <laughs> mentally, you can understand all of that better. But can you actually get better as a football player?
4: Yeah, for sure. In my opinion, absolutely. You know, it's the uh, it's all about repetitions. And, you know, this time of year, wherever they come, whether they come in a non-competitive environment in individual drills or a competitive environment, seven-on-seven, team walkthroughs this time of year in my opinion it's all about repetition so guys getting them now will pay off in the season and it um you know it's funny there's there's things that happen in practice that we're looking at right now we're talking about we're reflecting on and they happened last year in games you know and, and as a group and a coach and players we pointed out to each other hey this is no different than week you know whatever against this particular opponent here it is again in June, and it's the same situation. We're getting the same training, so it's another shot on goal. And you know, I always say it, it's amazing. As, as much football as you know, some of these you know uh, players have played. There's yourself included, Wolfly, yeah. long, long career in the NFL, right? There's no chance you've you uh, defensive perspective. There's no chance you fit every run or defended every pass concept in the NFL versus every play call you have in your defensive scheme. Yeah. So. Every, every opportunity is an opportunity to get a shot on goal, as I say, and that's where we're at this time of year. So, yes, Wolf,
0: for sure can improve. <laughs> I like it, Coach. Outside yeah. linebackers,
3: Coach Charlie Bullen, our guest on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Well, as J.J. Watts said the other day, you can't get better at football without playing football, without practicing football. And I'm guessing, Paulie Pencilneck over here, I'm just merely guessing that if, for example, you need to develop a counter move as a pass rusher, now is the time. Yeah. This is where it comes in, right?
4: Y- yes, for sure. And and there you know something of to that too. You know, before you get to the counter move, you know, this is a time of year where you can train perfect muscle memory. So we're out there, you know, going through it, working our, our fundamentals, working our pass rush moves, and then when you get sped up in competitive environments, you either got to hit it quicker or get into your move quicker or you end up getting into your pass rush move in a, from, in an unorthodox way that you don't necessarily train. But it's the, it's the reps right now and the training of the move that gets you ready to react at that particular time. It could be a counter move or that type of thing. But for sure, at least we're training the baseline fundamentals, you know, so that when we get sped up in competitive situations, we're, we're ready to roll with that muscle memory.
0: Charlie, what does not having Chandler Jones out on the field, what, what is that like and what does that do and how do you replace him? yeah it it it, i
4: don't think for starters you can just you can't replace them um you know at least for a a long period of time franchise sack leader you know great shot at the hall of fame you can't replace a guy like that off the jump you know love chan miss him dearly wish him the best you know and uh, it's a great opportunity for our group to step up and take these steps you know to replacing that production as best we can you know and Marcus is a great rusher who's produced a lot of years, so we expect you know, him to pick up right where he left off last year. And, you know, to, to replace Chandler's production, it may be by committee, you know, or, you know, somebody may step up in a big way, you know. And uh, that's where we're at, you know, to be, you know, and we lost Chandler in 2020 and kind of we're in the that's same right.
0: He had yeah. one sack in that season, and you guys still finished number five in sacks per attempt.
4: Yes, you know, so that was kind of a similar, you know, you know, deal. We had to have other guys step up. Hassan Reddick had his breakout first year. Dennis Gardeck had his breakout year. So we may have to piece it together. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't replace that production from a great player like him. And if we do, we at least feel comfortable that we've been there before.
3: You know, it's amazing. I just saw this stat again that season after Chandler Jones went down early in the game against the Jets, Week Five. The Cardinals ended up with an NFL high 18 players who had at least one sack in 2020 and an NFL leading dozen players who had two or more sacks.
0: Can that is you say crazy. scheme?
3: Yeah, so, yeah, what do you attribute that to and to what degree can the Cardinals uh, replicate that?
4: Well, scheme for sure. I mean, you know, um, th- this scheme going back to, you know, um, Vance's time in Denver, they there have been guys that have produced in this scheme, and we always, you know, some characteristics we look for tough guys who can just attack off the ball, you know, and at the outside backer position, those have been two traits that have translated to production, you know, and what's been really kind of cool, you know, having been the coach of this group the last two years is even just body type wise, you take Chandler 6'5", you know, about 260 all the way down to Dennis, you know, who uh, six feet. 230, 235, and all the way in between, from Marcus to Hassan. You know, different body types, different skill sets have produced in this scheme, and the common denominators have been tough guys who just attack.
0: The pressure packages are really complex here for this team. Um, You have to have smart guys as well because you have a tendency, I think, defensively, of bringing five guys a lot you just don't know which five are coming. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no,
4: you definitely, you definitely have to be smart uh, to, to play in this defense. You know? So, obviously, toughness is the first component, but you also have to be able to process and remember your defensive calls and execute um, because, like you said, it is complex.
3: How about seven sacks in 93 defensive snaps for a healthy Dennis Garda? Unbelievable. In 2020. What? I mean, in fact, that game where he got injured against Philadelphia, that was week 15, I believe, 2020. In that game, before he went down with a season-ending injury, he had three tackles, he had two sacks, he had two tackles for loss, he had two quarterback hits, and then two more tackles on special teams. And then he went down with a season-ending knee injury. In fact, he was asked the other day, What did you learn while you were out and rehabbing? Here's what he had to say. I don't like the guarantee.
4: When I first tore my ACL, I was going through that. I was like, I guarantee I'm coming back stronger and this and that. And I found that it's so much more inspiring and it it pushes me so much more understanding that it might not. It might be done. It might be over. And I think that's why uh, being on the 53 is my number one goal Just understanding the sense of urgency and and that kind of pressure, I thrive
3: under. And that's in response to Cliff Kingsbury saying that Gardeck literally won't talk to him because he thinks that Gardeck thinks he's going to get cut every single day he's out on that field. There is no bigger question mark than Dennis Gardeck, is there? Nobody knows whether to figure whether 2020 was a fluke. Can you count on him this year? What is your response when you're trying to figure and factor him into the equation this season?
4: Yeah, well, you know, it's a good soundbite by him. No guarantees, of course, you know, and it's obviously a testament to, you know, his humble mindset. But, you know, the one thing about Dennis last year, first of all, a lot of times it can take two years to fully come back from an injury like that. Whether it does or doesn't, I think that's individualized. Um, And Dennis felt his way back through it for a little bit, I'm sure, last year. But the one thing that I look at, there's some things he did on film last year that were outstanding. You know, they didn't result in a sack. But a lot of times when somebody on the defense gets a sack, there's other guys across the ball or wherever they're lined up that do a heck of a job that contribute to that sack. He was involved in a lot of situations last year where he was an integral part of the pass rush group that led to a sack for somebody else. So to me, I look at that. He did his job last year. They didn't result in the sack numbers. All good. And so this year, hopefully he just picks up where he left off and, you know, the numbers will – be what they are and as we like to say in the industry, you know, sacks come in bunches sometimes your number's called, sometimes it isn't but last year he produced at a high level doing what he had to do, the numbers just weren't there.
0: So coach, you got some young guys coming in or as my old coach used to say, some fresh meat coming in here <laughs> My J. Sanders of course and Cameron Thomas. Talk about these two young guys right now and do you coach them any differently than some of the other guys in the room?
4: Yeah, first of all, they fit the profile. They're tough guys that love ball and they attack. You know, two of their uh distinguishable traits coming out of college was their motor, play speed and effort. So that's number 1 for us. They passed that test. They're both great people and they work hard. So it was they they were easy decisions for us in that regard. And um so that's the first step. You know, skill set wise they're they're really different. You know, they're both long, you know, 65 and 64 Majes, 65 Cam 64. Um so that's good. We got some length there. Body type wise a little different. Majes leaner, a little longer. Cam's got a little more power. So um they're built the right way from an intangible standpoint and then skill set wise they both bring pass rush to the table a little a little bit differently. But um, we're fired up to have them, and um, you know they've they've been they've been great so far. Yes, Wolf, coach them a little different, coach them harder, man. They're they're rooks. They haven't earned anything yet. Yeah, fresh meat, fresh meat. I, exactly. I think it
3: was uh, Quentin Harris, VP of Player Personnel, said that my Jay Sanders missed at least seven sacks a year ago at Cincinnati. Just just didn't finish. And then someone else told me that he's just a walking question. He's always asking questions. My Jay Sanders, he's really curious, really wants to get better. Is that your only impression on him?
4: Yeah, for sure. High high football IQ, which is part of it. He understands the game, which is good. You know, um, the rookies though, they got it. There's a lot of information they got to process and compartmentalize. That's the phase they're both in. But from a football IQ standpoint, high IQ. He wants to know. He wants to ask questions. So yes. Um, you know that, that part is accurate.
0: So OTAs, that is one level in the off season of course, and one level of intensity, I say for the most part. You got mandatory minicamp coach that is coming up right here. Do you increase your intensity level um, on purpose? Do you increase it at all as a matter of fact? Do you change how you coach? Do you become more vociferous? Do you become louder, in other words? I'm the same, Wolf. I, 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 start, out, I start out in uh,
4: Phase 1 in, in April the same way I'm going to be in, in, the, in, in the So la- it never
0: changes that intensity
4: level. Not for me. We, we start out as high as it can go.
3: Wolf, check this out. Our man here, okay, has a bachelor's degree from Iowa in finance and a master's degree in sports management. Uh, Charlie Bullen here. Can you investigate the Rams and see how they're getting around the salary <laughs> cap and how they're paying all this cash? That's what I want to know. My goodness, what's going on around here?
4: I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay away from that question.
0: <laughs> what is? How about this question? What is the best thing about being an assistant coach in the NFL?
4: You know, I think um, it's funny. Maje Sanders asked a similar question to that on his visit here, and I've never, you know, I don't, I don't think about it all the time. But I, it, it as I did reflect on it, it is collective results with people that you love and respect who are on the same grind that you are. When, when are blood, sweat, and tears. With those people throughout the process and you have opportunities to achieve great things, nothing better, it's man. It's still about the
0: competition. When, it's still about being a, a group and being on a team and trying to accomplish something.
4: Yeah, I think, uh, I, think I may or may not have been past the numbers. I'm one of Chandler's sacks uh, in week one against Tennessee. So there's nothing better for me than when my guys have success. Our defense has success team, you know, but it's, it's just,
3: it's the best. Speaking mm-hmm. of the Titans in week one, the joint practice that's coming in August. You look forward to that? Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 those are,
4: well, no, those are, in my experience, those are good because it's a little break from the Manania training camp, and when you're when you're competing against another team, the intensity always goes up. So The one question
3: the you'd love to have answered by the end of the preseason, the end of August, with your position group would be what? Is there an easy answer to that as the music is rolling? Is there an easy instant answer to what question you really want answered by the end of the preseason?
4: I don't have one. Paul, I, I don't have a question
0: right now. You know, It's all the same. It's okay. all the same. I approach yeah. it all the all same. All the same. Yeah. Charlie, thank you so much, buddy. Absolutely. I mean,
3: we've got an Iron Man here. He did seven years with the Dolphins, South Florida Summers, now Arizona Summers with the Cardinals. Charlie Bolin, the Cardinals' outside linebackers coach. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
2: It off no running room off the right side. In fact, a loss of two on the play. Zabin
0: Collins, the first guy there, and that is a big man coming down from the weak side, shooting the gap. Zabin Collins again
2: throws over the middle, tipped into the air, and incomplete. He was going for his tight end. Pass was off the
0: mark. Zabin Collins had coverage that time, and it's fourth down. Zabin Collins. Bats that ball into the air with all of that great length.
2: Use check in motion. It is a quarterback. Drop the middle. Lance's hit. Drives the legs forward. Going to be close. The 49ers are short. Zavin Collins with the tackle.
0: Savin Collins, the rookie, at 260, playing downhill. Came in and laid some lumber, baby. 6'4", 260.
3: That's more like an inside linebacker from your era, Wolf, is it not? That sort of size... And just velocity from Zavin Collins and your question to Charlie Bullen in the last segment here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, the Cardinals' outside linebackers coach. He answered right away when he asked him, can a player get better in the offseason? He said, absolutely, for sure. And if there was one guy you'd love to see them make the most progress in the offseason, it'd be hard not to choose Zavin Collins, I would imagine.
0: No, right, Paulie. Uh, listen, this is exactly when you want Zayvon Collins out on the field. And you have to remember, he wasn't given that luxury after his rookie year for the most part. He wasn't given the ability to do it, Paulie. And, and I should say Isaiah Simmons was not given the ability to do that. And I think that really kind of set him back a little bit. And Zayvon Collins, to me, this is the guy, Paul, if there's one guy in training camp, that I want to follow around, it's yep. I I love the kid. I love his... His qualities, I love the talent he's been given, but, man, he's got to develop mentally, and let's hope that happens.
3: Yeah, and he was anointed the starting middle linebacker from day one right after the draft, round one, April of last year, but it quickly became apparent that being the quarterback of an NFL defense in a very advanced and complex scheme like Vance Joseph, that was a lot to ask. So you saw Jordan Hicks, obviously, who got the most defensive snaps of any player on the Cardinals defense. He was voted a team captain by the locker room. Okay. And there was Savin Collins, and we saw him in different roles, and you also saw him banged up at times. And he met the media today, and he was forthcoming on everything. In fact, he was asked, okay, first and foremost, what are you working on?
0: Obviously, you know, last year didn't go as, you know, everyone would want, but that's, that's part of life. Um, just learning from those mistakes, applying them to now, and trying to get better, which I have. I think that I've done a really good job in some of the areas that I've messed up as far as, you know, mental errors or, you know, stuff like that.
3: I mean, Wolf, I'm just going to take a guess that his primary objective right now is to gain the absolute trust of his coaches. Of his defensive coordinator. If nothing else, Vance Joseph has to trust the guy wearing the green dot and calling the defense and making the checks, right?
0: Yeah, no, Paulie, you're right. You're you're right on this. But it's also his teammates, Paulie. He's got to earn the trust of his teammates, the guys that are out there. They, they have to be able to trust him that he is going to make the right call, that he is going to make the right check. And you got to remember, it's not just him. There are some other guys that are out there as well. I think of Buda Baker. I think of Jalen Thompson. I think of these guys that are also making calls in the secondary. But you, get, you need that green dot in the box. You need that Mike Linebacker in particular. You need him to actually be the guy who's getting everybody lined up and getting them lined up correctly. So his teammates got to trust him, too, Paulie.
3: Yeah, in an ideal world, the two first-round inside linebackers are playing side-by-side and they're just rocking and rolling all season long obviously Vance Joseph was asked about Isaiah Simmons and Zayven Collins a little bit earlier this off offseason and here was his response
2: it's their time you know Isaiah's going into his third year Zayven's going into his second year their first round picks they have to help us you know and um it's heading that way, you know. I've been proud of Zavin, how much time he's put in. Isaiah's always been a good worker, you know. It's it's the next step for him. Obviously, watching him last year, he made plays, you know, but now he has to make consistent plays and not give up plays. You know, that's that's his next challenge. And for Zayvon to stand healthy and, and keep learning, but both guys are physically gifted, you know. So we have to get those guys ready to play because we need them.
3: What did you think, of Vance Joseph, there, the defensive coordinator? What he said first about Isaiah Simmons and just. He has to make those consistent plays. Yeah. That's the next step for Isaiah in year 3.
0: Yeah, he just has to play more consistently. There's no doubt. And I think the fact that he's actually getting an off-season, I think that really an off-season where he's actually on the field, Paulie, uh, I think that's going to help Isaiah Simmons a lot. Having said that, listen, I I there's there's no two positions that are more important then the inside linebacker position for the Arizona Cardinals. The Mike Backer mm-hmm. and, of course, the weak side inside linebacker. Paulie, those two guys, Zaven Collins and Isaiah Simmons, I believe, this is just my opinion here, I believe they hold the keys to the kingdom of defense for the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. If you tell me they both take a step forward, that they both get better, that they're, they're, they're guys that are improving, I'll tell you right now, the Arizona Cardinals have a chance to be good defensively. If those two guys don't take a step forward and and don't improve, now all of a sudden there's a question mark there and they're going to struggle.
3: Yeah, think think about the division itself, right? Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Is he hell-bent on running the ball? Absolutely. Yes. Does, does he have a very complex scheme where he keeps the defense on us? Yes, it's always a challenge going against the Kyle Shanahan-designed offense and run game. The Seahawks, come on. They basically have no ch- choice but to run the ball, and they have a couple of really stout running backs they're going to do it with. They've invested heavily there. And then, of course, we know about Sean McVay and how he keeps the defense honest. And with Cam Akers healthy and the way they transitioned to more of a run-oriented offense last year all the way to the Super Bowl title, I mean, It's a task, so I completely agree with you. How Isaiah Simmons and Zavin Collins go, there's no doubt about it. Now, here's the thing. As Craig Greel, told us earlier today, Isaiah Simmons has been in a lot of the safety drills. So as much as the coaches in these last two years have told us about how Isaiah Simmons is an inside linebacker, um, the game film would belie what they're telling us, because he, he seemingly is that X-Factor Wolf Isaiah Simmons. They use him in a whole variety of positions.
0: Yeah, you know, Paulie, I'm, I'm just wondering right now, because the pads aren't on, right? The pads aren't on because the pads aren't on. They want him to learn maybe playing in the secondary and what that's like, because I think they want to move him around. You know that, Paulie. Makes they sense. do want to make him that X-Factor right now, so... Listen, if the pads are on and he's still continuing to work out with the safeties, I that I will get a little concerned with. I, I will, Paul, because that means, okay, what are you telling me? That he's he's actually going to be a safety? Well, right now... You don't think of the Arizona Cardinals needing a safety. You you just don't. Now, of course, you can play with three safeties. There are defensive personnel groups where you're going to do that from time to time, no doubt. But, man, that weak side inside linebacker, that's the position I want Isaiah Simmons to really focus on and grow. And, Paulie, I will tell you right now, the pads not being on, maybe that's why they got him in the uh, defensive backfield.
3: Maybe, and Jalen Thompson told the media today that both him and Buddha have the ability to play in the slot if needed. So if all of a sudden there's a 10 personnel scheme and all of a sudden, boom, you know, Buddha or Jalen Thompson drops into the slot, and then all of a sudden you see Isaiah Simmons in center field, which we saw at times last year, who knows? There's a lot of possibilities, to your point, they're trying to coach everyone up on every position. But for Zavin Collins, it's that Mike Linebacker spot. And here's what he had to say today coming off year one
1: it 's not going to be a Cinderella story always you know it's it
0: 's it's, it's life that 's what it 's what it is you know If everything was easy, then you know it 'd be too good to be true you got to go through something, and you know hopefully that's if that 's the hardest thing I have to go through in my NFL career, I think you know we 're going to be all right
3: because there 's no doubt he has this skill set he has that ability at two hundred and sixty pounds to be that thumper to really fill the a and b gap and and, and really be that stout run stopper, but yeah. at the same time. We've seen him run. They used him on the edge at times last year. He can run with the tight end or cover the back out of the backfield. He is that complete linebacker, potentially.
0: Well, I do like the fact that he has said that he has cut down on his mental errors, that that part of his game has improved. And that's what he needs to do, man, going forward. He needs to be in the playbook big time. He needs to be watching tape big time he needs to be sitting down with Vance Joseph and Billy Davis and going over a lot of these schemes and I think that's what he's doing right now but don't quit don't ever quit on Zaven Collins and Zavin, don't you ever quit hey,
3: Arizona Cardinals season tickets available now go to azcardinals.com slash season for more information maybe the strongest position group on this team we'll talk running back next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert
2: Back to throw, fires right side, what a catch at the 20, runs right to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone for the touchdown. James Conner stabbing a ball that was an errant pass.
0: This is the part of James Conner's game that nobody on the offensive side of the ball saw coming. Remember when he was first signed, and Wolf, we
3: had James Saxon on, right? Yeah. And we asked him about him as a pass catcher, and his line was one of the great all-time lines, well, you don't put an elephant on a sailboat. Can he catch the ball? Is he a threat out of the backfield to catch the ball?
2: Yeah, I mean, but I don't think you want to ask an elephant to,
1: you know, ride in a sailboat.
3: (laughs) Well, that sailboat was just out on Lake Michigan, and it just went 23 yards with a one-handed grab. That was in Cleveland. Actually, Chicago is what it was. He was great all year long. And you know what? It was in Chicago where you had Cliff Kingsbury screaming down the Cardinals' sideline to the end zone. (laughs) And just dapping up his Pro Bowl running back. No one appreciated the skill set of James Conner more than Coach Cliff. It's a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Cleveland. And uh, I tell you, Wolf, I'm not sure there was a player I enjoyed watching more last year than James Conner. Maybe because of the struggles and short yardage and, and goal line the year before. But everything he did, not just the power run game, but the complete running back he was and how he ended up in the Pro Bowl.
0: Yeah, you know, Polly, it's amazing because I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know that Mike Tomlin really liked James Conner, of course. I I still think to this day there could be there could have been a schism between Kevin Colbert, of course, who was the general manager at the time for the Steelers, not thinking maybe that James Conner was an every-down back, and then you had Mike Tomlin thinking that he was an every-down back. I, I those guys got along very very well together. I'm not saying they were yelling at each other, screaming at each other in the front office. But, I am but you saying, know what.
3: James Conner said today that it's all about fit for any player in any offense and that if you find the right fit, that can maximize your skill set, dot, dot, dot. So that's kind of curious based on what you just said.
0: No, you're right about that. And I do believe the fit here is great. You think about it, man. This is an every down back, in my opinion. James Conner is an every-down back. He might be the definition of it in today's NFL. The fact that he can actually hold up in pass protection, the fact that he is good coming out of the backfield in terms of being a receiver, and then running the ball. Never forget this, Paul. His 3.7-yard average last year was brought down because how many times did they give him the ball in third-and-one situations? How many times did they give him the ball in third-and-goal, fourth-and-goal on the one-yard line? How many times did you see that happen to him? This is a guy that's averaged over four yards a carry his entire career.
3: Cliff Kingsbury asked today about his Pro Bowl running back and just the options.
0: Having that knowledge conceptually... Throughout the off season, you can put in new plays for him, pass plays for him, things that get him isolated. Or last year, we didn't know, you know, he had that in him. So it's definitely opened some things up in the playbook that we can we can get to using him as a pass catcher.
3: I guess here's my question, is how much is too much of James Conner? You have a 17-game regular season. He has the capability to be an every-down running back. You certainly don't want him every down. And you have a deep running back room now with Darrell Williams. Eno Benjamin, who got a shout-out from Coach Cliff today, is having maybe the best offseason of any player on the roster. Jonathan Ward has been dynamic at times and, and is a tough runner as well who can catch the ball. So if you're Coach Cliff, I mean, and we know he wasn't 100% in the playoffs game James Conner which another tough aspect of that loss at the Rams so you're gonna have to choose your spots to
0: some degree aren't you no yeah Polly. I mean honestly when you think of all the talent on that side of the ball it truly is pretty incredible uh you know I know they're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season but man I yeah, Think about spreading the ball, Paul, <laughs> yeah. with all of those weapons out there. I love the fact that James Conner can be that every down guy, but you know what? You don't want a running back to have to be an every down guy. Even Derrick Henry is not an every down back with the Tennessee Titans. Even they like to mix it up. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that the Arizona Cardinals really monitor the reps that James Conner gets.
3: No that's that's a really good point in terms of of the reps and the usage you know coach Cliff has said and he said it again this week that you know what when the Cardinals offense was really rolling They were running the ball. Yes. They now have Daryl Williams. They have, uh, you know, Eno Benjamin and Jonathan Ward. I mean, to what degree do you think it's going to be a rotation? Or just in general, do you believe him when he says, you know what, there might be a renewed emphasis on running the ball?
0: No, I totally believe that, Paulie. It's got to happen for the Arizona Cardinals. You have to attack the line of scrimmage. You go back and you watch the tape. You go look at it, Paul. I'm telling you right now, for the first 10 or 12 weeks of the season, they were attacking in between the tackles. And that's when their offense was the best. In particular, go back and look at the first five weeks of the season when you had a stud tight end by the name of Max Williams, who was out there and playing well. Man, you didn't. Know, the defense did not know what the Arizona Cardinals were going to do with the football. They didn't know if it was a run. They didn't know if it was a pass. It didn't matter what the down and distance was. The personnel group, they didn't know if it was a run or pass. And they had to respect both. And when you try to respect both, you're in trouble.
3: The two wins with Colt McCoy, what did the Cardinals do? They ran the ball at the 49ers, at the Seahawks, ran it down their throat. How
0: about the Browns game, Paul?
3: Yeah, without Cliff Kingsbury as a play caller, right? And what they do, they just went out there and just physically manhandled the Browns, came straight off the ball, went straight ahead with that run game. So... I think they learned a lot, not just about James Conner, but just the value yes. of the run game. Mike Bercovici told that to you recently yep. as well, the offensive assistant. Hey, Cardinals single game tickets available now at azcardinals.com slash tickets. Secure your seats today. Special thanks, Charlie Bull, and the outside linebackers coach for Jim Omahundro, Zach Larson, Ron Wolfley, on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan
1: Ford in Gilbert. Ciao!